0: This is The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner, the podcast for anyone supporting a pregnant woman to achieve her dream birth. I'm Sally-Ann Beresford, a doula, author and antenatal teacher and throughout these episodes I will be sharing with you tried and tested tips that help you to ensure that any birth you attend is a positive experience. Welcome to this week's episode of the ultimate guide to being a birth partner. Today, I wanted to talk to you about the difference between physiological birth and a managed birth. That is a birth where you have intervention. So, firstly, physiological birth is a birth where it is undisturbed, nobody touches the pregnant person, does anything to them. And birth happens on its own. The body is in charge and the body's functions are working independently. They are doing exactly what they want to do and when. Trusting in the process, Mother Nature has every single element that she needs in order to make sure that the body works perfectly. And If there is a need to move or tweak something, typically the mother's instincts kick in and she knows that she needs to do something different. This is physiological birth. What stops physiological birth is not having enough hormones, the hormone oxytocin in particular. Overanalyzing causes a lowering in the production of hormones being in an uncomfortable position, lowers the oxytocin levels, bright lights, all of the things that you know already as a birth partner or labouring person that will inhibit the production of oxytocin, all of the things that will potentially make labour longer. So tuning into The role of oxytocin, understanding how important hormones are, is vital because, like I've always said, if you don't get hormones, you won't get birth. So, really, really fully grasping that matters. Physiological birth is also about understanding that anything you do to the body, anything, makes it change. Physiological birth is only physiological when nothing happens. That is when you don't touch the vagina. You don't insert anything into the woman's body because ultimately, any fingers that go inside the body are changing what's happening in there. If your cervix, for example, is feeling a little shy because it's being poked and prodded, it can close down. It can actually recoil, as Dr. Sarah Wickham describes in her articles about cervical recoil. It can undo some of the hard work that has already taken place. So be really aware of why you might choose to avoid things like vaginal examinations. Equally, it can affect the microbes in the vagina, which are there waiting in preparation for the arrival of the baby to seed their gut, to begin colonising their gut, making sure that the baby has all of the correct microbes that it needs. So the minute you start poking and prodding inside the vagina, the more you are stirring up all of those wonderful, friendly bacteria that are waiting for the baby. And this can cause a disruption in the process. Also, it leads to analyzing behavior. If you become aware of what is happening with the cervix, i.e. you may be given a number of centimeters that it is assumed that your cervix is dilated to, if you know this information, it completely affects your mental ability to continue It could be a positive result. You could be told that your cervix is eight centimetres dilated and your baby will be born soon. And then many, many hours go by with no progress. The baby isn't coming. There is a delay. You might think it's a delay when, in fact, perhaps it's just a plateau. Perhaps you were checked and... Your cervix was affected by the check and your cervix therefore hasn't progressed any further. Perhaps your adrenaline levels rose when you had the vaginal examination and therefore you're no longer producing enough oxytocin to dilate you those extra couple of centimetres. Perhaps the baby just needs to move. Perhaps there is a couple of other reasons why. But because you were told you were eight centimetres, in your mind, you think that you should be about to give birth. And so when there's no sign of an overwhelming urge to push, many midwives, doctors, birthing people will analyse why that isn't happening. They will feel that their progress is slow. And they will feel upset or disturbed by the fact that the birth hasn't happened yet. When in fact, if you hadn't known that you were eight centimetres, you would have never anticipated the birth to happen very soon in the first place. On the flip side, what if you've been labouring for hours and hours and when you have a check, your cervix is two centimetres? What about that? How is that going to make you feel? Is that going to put you off what you wanted to achieve? Is that going to send you down a different pathway, make you believe that your body is broken and that you can't do it? And you end up accepting interventions that you decided you didn't initially want. Yeah, that is what happens. That happens a lot, actually. People often find themselves in situations where Their willpower diminishes at a point when they hear that number, that two centimeter number. Maybe it's three, maybe it's four or five for you. Whatever it is, if you are feeling that you haven't got the capacity to continue, then it is likely you might switch to plan B when you hear that information, a plan that was only there originally for extreme emergencies. And now all of a sudden you find yourself heading down the route of plan B just because of a number. That doesn't mean anything. You could be in a situation whereby your cervix was two centimetres, but actually your dilation happens really quickly and you could have your baby in your arms within the next 45 minutes. Nobody knows because vaginal examinations will never tell you when your baby is going to be born. So remembering how damaging interventions are, interventions that seem harmless, but might actually not be harmless. Another thing that can happen with regards to vaginal examinations is accidentally breaking the waters. Sometimes the insertion of fingers into the vagina can affect the bag that may be bulging, may be there, may be present, the midwife can touch the bag of waters, and so she might accidentally, or with your permission, break them. If this happens, you're no longer within the same time frame that you were before. The clock is ticking, your waters have gone, the potential risk of infection might be there, and your birth may take a turn with intervention purely because your waters were broken, which in itself is an intervention, actually. So physiological birth is an untouched, unhurried, calm and relaxed birth experience where no one puts you under pressure to do anything that you're not wanting to do instinctively yourself. Any woman or birthing person who is in labour and having a physiological birth will typically move freely and get into comfortable positions that they feel are right for them. As a doula, if a client was to look at me and say, I'm not comfortable, then it would be perfectly reasonable to give support and information about what positions might be better, more comfortable, um, might be a good thing to do in terms of staying in a gravity-assisted, relaxed position. So, of course, people can give you advice and information during this time. But in the first place, in the first instance, what we're looking for is instinctive behaviour. I've watched many, many women throw out a leg, throw out an arm, move in a way that no one would have ever predicted or practised. These are instinctive movements that come from within that nobody can explain. And this is what women do to dance their baby out through the pelvis as they navigate the journey of the baby moving down and rotating. Sometimes women and people giving birth just do all sorts of wonderful things to help them. This brings me on to sounds. Again, sounds are very instinctive. As long as the sounds are going downwards and they're productive sounds, that's what we want to hear. High-pitched sounds aren't really very helpful in labour. So if a woman is screaming, it's typically because she's feeling a loss of control. And this is a point where a birthing partner might step in and suggest that she turns her vocalisations to a downward pattern and that she makes them with confidence, but that she helps them to be productive. So physiological birth is very much an instinctive process that nobody needs to meddle with. A managed birth, however, is a completely different experience. This is where the woman is given information and advice about what she needs to do. She's typically monitored, strapped down to a bed. And instincts can often be lost in this situation because a woman or birthing person is given instructions about the positions that they're in, and they might feel tethered down. It's it's often a really interesting uh, conversation that I will have with a client postnatally, where they might describe feeling really restricted and unable to tune into their own body's ability to give birth to their baby in a way that felt right for them. They surrender, if you like, to the system, to the the medical side of, of birth, and they do as they're told. They have vaginal examinations every four hours. They have cannulas put in and drips inserted. They might even have an oxytocic drug put up to speed up their labour and eventually their water's broken. This ends up often being essential due to the fact that the body isn't naturally producing oxytocin itself often you'll find that the body isn't capable of producing hormones when synthetic hormones are set up and put in place, which really does have a knock-on effect for later in the labour and also when the baby is born with the mother's instinctive hormone releases being suppressed due to the synthetic hormones being in place, which is a shame because it can very much affect and delay the bonding process in some cases. Another thing that I often hear midwives say to laboring women is that they might be too tired to push once they're fully dilated because of how tired they appear during the managed birth. And to be honest, you know, it is exhausting being in labor overall. And if you haven't got the natural physiological hormones flooding your body because they've been replaced by synthetic hormones, then yeah, they've got a bit of a good point there. But typically, if a woman is allowed to reach the end of full dilation and she does enter into the pushing stage where she experiences a full-blown surge of adrenaline, she's going to have enough energy to push out her baby because what happens is the adrenaline wakes her up and helps her, gives her all the energy she needs, just like vomiting. You couldn't stop it if you tried. So therefore, believing in the body is a far better way to move forward than to believe your body would never, ever have enough energy to give birth to your baby. And whilst it is more likely to be true with a managed birth, it's definitely not true with a physiological birth. So bear in mind, your body will give you all the energy you need, no matter how tired you feel. And the reason I know that this is important for you to understand is because the minute your baby is born, you also need to keep going And get on with the job of looking after your baby. So nobody is going to take the baby away from you at that point and say, oh, you're far too tired to look after your baby. You're going to need to pull on your reserves, pull on anything that you've got to be able to keep going. And this is one of the reasons why if you ever look at the information I put out on social media or anywhere, I will tell you. Plan for the long haul. Hunker down. Get into restful, relaxing positions. Don't analyze your birth. Just relax. Let go of your thoughts. Focus on your breathing. Regardless of whether it's a managed birth or a physiological birth, you need to protect your energy levels and really help to conserve your energy as much as you can. So I don't want to harp on too much about managed birth. I think you get the gist of the difference between physiological birth and managed birth. What I would say is that in most cases, women and birthing people begin labour physiologically. When labour begins on its own, gets started at home, and then at some point they might seek medical support When that happens, it's important if you want a physiological birth to really hang on to your natural hormone production by declining any interventions unless there is a good reason to accept them. Perhaps there's a clear indication that something isn't going well and then a discussion can be had about what you might like to do next if indeed there is a concern. One of the things that I witness is often women and birthing people end up coming away from physiological birth because of the time. People become impatient. Sometimes it might be the birthing person that's impatient, or it might well be the care provider. And typically, that is the case. When I see clients of mine who are encouraged to have an intervention, it's this failure to be patient that causes the problem so if you're not struggling and your baby is doing well make sure that you say no no thank you not right now and make sure that you stay on a physiological pathway where your body is doing all the work it needs to to get your baby out rest and relax in between your surges and never lose trust and faith in your own body's ability to give birth to your baby because you can do it you can definitely definitely do it and typically when things don't go to plan they don't go well it's because of an intervention very little goes wrong when the body is doing it all by itself take care Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner with me, Sally Ann Beresford. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review and don't forget to hit subscribe. If you are on Instagram, you will find me at The Ultimate Birth Partner. Please feel free to follow me for more ideas on supporting women through the birth of a baby. If you would like to purchase a copy of the book that accompanies this podcast, then head over to Amazon and type in Labour of Love, The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. If you would like to work with me on a one-to-one basis, visit my website www.birthability.co.uk or email me hello at birthability.co.uk